Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. My name is Drew Burns, and I'm a part of a small group of dentists who believe something crazy. We believe the standard of care is just not good enough. We demand the best of ourselves and the best for our patients. We believe the best way, no, the only way to practice dentistry is on our own terms. If you ask the dental consultants or the corporate CEOs, they tell you that what we're doing isn't smart, that fee-for-service dentistry is dead, and that the golden age of dentistry is over. Yet, while others focus on profits first, we focus on the patient first. And yet our offices are some of the most profitable in the entire country because we invest in ourselves and we are doing things right. It's our name on the door and it's our reputation on the line. My name is Drew Burns and I am a fee-for-service dentist. This is the Fee-for-Service Dentist Podcast and these are our stories. So what were your expectations going into your first year? Of dental school? No, first year in practice. Oh, practice. practice. Uh, I thought it would be a bigger learning curve than it was. I'll tell you that. Um, I thought that I'd have to do a little bit more with managing the office itself. And, you know, one of the things I remarked on was that how seamless everything seemed to be. Everybody knew their role. Everybody did what they had to do. You just kind of show up a little bit early, take a look at your charts, realize what you have to do, and everything's there ready for you. Part of that, I think, is from me actually being there as an assistant, though. I do, you know, if, if I use the use the tool in dental school that I'd never seen before, I knew I wouldn't be using that tool if I worked for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them I, I still do use, like Septicane, for that matter. But but you're starting, uh, you're starting to convert me. I know. <laughs> <laughs> telling you, it's great. But like, but you know, uh, get you get your amalgam tray, and it's got like 50 instruments in it, and then you come to this office our office and I thought eight instruments was a lot but no it's, it's not compared to dental school it's not yeah. I mean enamel carvers I, I don't know anybody who uses them now yeah. um but uh okay so do you so then going so, back, so it's it's half and half it's, it's a well-run practice but I also had I knew what I was getting myself into so then you felt also then I would assume that your residency program really helped prepare you for that too then. oh 100% right so yes another, yeah another pro, another pro residency yeah. program so New York State it's pretty much can't practice unless you have it. That's how mm-hmm. our licensure works now in New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about how did you feel about your speed? Were you worried? Because I, I hear that a lot with younger dentists. I, I'm worried about my speed and and and, and et cetera. How, how did where, where does that play into your thoughts? Uh, I was definitely worried about my speed mm-hmm. um, going into it. Um, you do. I did get a lot of speed at at SUNY Upstate, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, luckily. I had assistants at SUNY Upstate because, you know, if you're an assistant, you get paid whether you do one filling or three fillings. Mm-hmm. And, and so the dentists, I would try to do as many as I could. And they made sure that they were all good. You know, I didn't let you just do, you know, quadrant dentistry day one. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, they would say like, oh, yeah, if you can save this person an appointment, because if you're at the VA, they're coming in from an hour away just to see you. Mm-hmm. And whether in upstate New York is not always 
friendly. So you, um, they would allow you to sort of push your push yourself. And um, you know, if you're doing an MODO, and then the, you know, there's another one, you, they make sure you get the MODO correct before you start the next two. Um, but also, you know, the I think it was Howard Ferran. I was listening to his podcast, and he talked about one of the advantages that new dentists have is that they have a little bit more free time to do certain procedures. Mm -hmm. And so it's not the amount of time it takes you, it's doing it well. If it takes you an extra half hour, well, you know what, you're new, you don't have that many patients anyway. So mm -hmm. take your time, make sure you do a great job. Here's a small shameless plug. Howard's going to be a guest on this podcast <laughs> coming up very soon. Sorry. It's Sorry okay. for the commercial. I didn't insert it. <laughs> so, so, so excited. Tell him I said hello. I will. Um, okay. So in working now, so let's ask, let's ask this now, because you transitioned mm -hmm. from being a team member to now being a, we'll call it a super, at least a supervisor. Okay. Sure. Uh, how did that happen or how, because there's a lot of the same faces, mm -hmm. right? That were here. Yeah. When you were assisting. Because yeah. it was really, uh, you know, it was four years ago. Mm -hmm. So how did that, uh, how did you take that? Or how did you handle that? It was tough. I don't have, I don't have a lot of supervisor uh, skills, I would say, um, at least not trained for mm -hmm. those. You know, residency doesn't really teach you too much. I, I did know how to, you know, ask my assistants. I like to have the bibs on and the glasses on when I walk in, just so I don't have to take my time to do those things. Mm -hmm. But besides that, you know, the flow and the way things are run, um, certainly get a lot of help from the more senior assistants. And I certainly get a lot of help from the office managers. Uh, but that has been, I think, the area that I still am trying to work on because um, it just was not taught. I haven't read any books about it. It's, you know, I even talked to Papa Spira mm -hmm. about that just saying like, hey, you know, I have an employee who's doing this. How do I approach it? And he's like, well, you have to be really objective about it. You can't say bad attitude. You have to point to specific instances, specific things that they have said. Observable and, uh, actions. And observe that there's a pattern. <laughs> and then when you approach them, you know, you, you know how it is. Everybody's different. You, mm -hmm. tell, you tell a basketball team, we got to rebound more or do better boxing out. And some kids are going to know that they're, you're talking about them. And other kids are going to be like, that's not me. That's this other person. Mm -hmm. um, and some people are going to get offended. And some people are going to be hurt and, and need to be consoled. And, and so, uh, you know, every person is an individual. And you, you have to be nice about it. But also, you can't let them leave thinking that everything's okay. <laughs> that mm -hmm. they, they don't actually have a problem. And there's nothing they have to change. Uh, the dance of yes, let's improve yeah. and let's not be hurt. Yeah. You, know, you tell 20 patients a day that they have a cavity, you get good at that. I don't tell 20 other employees, you know, issues, which honestly are not huge issues, but you, it's still a skill to be able to broach the subject. Mm -hmm. So it is. Okay. So, so that's, that's the level I'm at right now. That's, <laughs> That's that's reality. So those of you going into practice, um, let me ask you this. So let's now looking back on your first year going into practice, what would your advice be to your bonehead boss? Um, what should be done to help, you know, and looking back, what things mm -hmm. can be done differently? What things can be done better? What, what would you change or modify those, those that, that vein? So 
uh, if I were to go back to what starting first year coming in, mm -hmm. first year coming into the practice, mm -hmm. not dental school. No, no, no. Okay. Your first year in private practice. Well, thank you. I was sweating a little bit. Just thinking. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, we'll leave dental school. We're done. <laughs> no, we're, 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 we're not going back. Invest in Bitcoin and get out. <laughs> uh, no, um, no, let me think. Um, oh gosh, to myself. I mean, I think that you and Dr. Brian both told me because I was worried about money. I was like, I got you know this the the bills, and I know that I'm paid based on people I see, and so I was just trying to estimate what would I what was I even going to make? Like, what am I going to have to save up extra? Am I going to have to you know? You know, my my having my having ground beef or my having tofu. You know what I mean? Like, like bare bones. What's happening? And I think you guys told me, you know, take care of the patient and don't worry about that because that'll come later. You know, uh, you know, don't rush through a filling. Do the best job you can and make sure you're you're up to point and the speed will come later. You know, just certain things that I was worried about. I think I'd be a lot calmer knowing that just treating the patients right being friendly, introducing myself to patients that we're going to see a different doctor, but just let them know that I'm here and, you know, here I am, get to know them, you know, almost do what I do best is, is, is um, try to get the patient to feel comfortable and get to know them as a person. Mm -hmm. And I think I've been doing that since dental school, but I, I did it in dental school more because I had three hours with the person and I'm waiting for my, my attending to check. So I might as well talk about something. Mm -hmm. um, as opposed to just leaving them there to sit and stir for two hours while I'm, you know, mm -hmm. off getting myself a coffee. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I think the the worrying about, I think it was excellent advice to, to just worry about treating the patient well and doing a good job first before worrying about, you know, uh, any managerial things or worrying about, you know, budgetary things or mm -hmm. even that you're not as fast as you should be, mm -hmm. you know, that, that, those things will come. I mean, luckily, even in my residency, we had to check hygiene in the middle of procedures. So I did know the correct time to take breaks from the patient based on my residency and based on watching you and Dr. Brian. So mm -hmm. it was. The future of fee-for-service dentistry is based in membership patients. If you need help starting your membership plan, or if your plan is too big for your team to manage, visit dentalmembershipdirect.com to set up your free membership growth solution demo with our team. Luckily, that that did help a lot. Okay. So I know you've been you become involved outside of dentistry in some of the uh, I'm just going to call it politics, but the dental society. At the oh, okay. <laughs> local level, right? The county level, yes. and then also at the district level. So you got mm -hmm. county, district, and state. So. Mm -hmm. You are, uh, you've been nominated, but you are the secretary in both the county as well as the district. And I told you, I thought you were crazy. Yes. Um, I thought it's a huge pill to bite you off as well. I think just one is fine, but <laughs> you're, you're, you're running with it. So mm -hmm. we'll just talk a little bit about how that came about and then how has that perspective change for you because once you start mm -hmm. to see what does go on behind the scenes that there's actually people working for the good of dentists across right. the board right regardless of if you are a ppo dentist a hmo dentist a mm -hmm. patient dentist a, uh you know a section uh, you know a, a, a medicaid service provider whatever uh there's organized dentistry it's all we got mm -hmm. and i think we have to support it but 
enough of my commercial, how has that mm -hmm. changed some of your perspective? Because now you're outside of yourself. How did that help change mm -hmm. your perspective? Uh, even in dental school, they talked about the importance of the ADA mm -hmm. and how having 70% of dentists belongs to the ADA really helps the ADA speak for dentists across the board. Mm -hmm. And I totally agree with that. Um, I have had certain attendings who have told me point blank that uh, if it wasn't for Milnick, they would never be in the ADA. And they don't like JADA. They think that... So your malpractice care. Milnick is... Uh, <clears throat> oh, yeah, sorry. Mutual, mutual Liability Medical Insurance Company, mm -hmm. which was used to be just a physician's company. Mm -hmm. And then dentistry got in. And mm -hmm. actually, Berkshire Hathaway bought it. So you know how right. profitable it must be because Berkshire Hathaway doesn't buy any losers. Mm -hmm. um, so that's what Milnick is. So go mm -hmm. ahead. Sorry. And uh, yeah, it's only offered to people who are in the ADA mm -hmm. and state, right? And and they talk about how much they think that the AGD uh -huh. is better for general dentists. But I, I I kind of approached it from I'm not entering the position at the ADA to put my politics into play. I'm just going to be there to try to mitigate the different politics among the dentists in our region mm -hmm. because everyone has their own opinions. Everybody has their own. The way they do things, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, I have the the blessings of being young and no kids, not no wife. I have a little bit more free time than everybody else. Plus, I honestly don't. <laughs> I think I partially got it because I just volunteered. I don't think there was a lot of people volunteering for those no, positions. There's, there's nobody volunteering. Yeah. Every, every year, it's just every year, and, and this is I'm doing it 31 years, right? How old are you? 31. Right. I started, you know, you were born in September. I started in practice. July. I think, I think no, I think it was uh, three weeks before you were born. So, <laughs> okay. um, so I, 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 it's been the same story ever mm -hmm. since then was, listen, we really need some people's help. We really need you to volunteer. Mm -hmm. and, and at that point, what they would say was someone's probably going to approach you or ask you, please mm -hmm. give it consideration and do it. And as the society has sort of, uh, I'm not going to say broken up, but I'm going to say has has uh, distanced some of the members for different reasons and mm -hmm. um, advertising and, and certain competitive nature, which I don't really feel was there prior. I feel it's a little bit more now. Mm -hmm. um, I think that disjointed us a little bit. So I don't think it's as simple as someone picking up the phone and like for me as a senior dentist, so to speak, to call someone in the 30 something generation and say, hey, listen, Know, your dental side could use you once you, you volunteer because it's mm -hmm. not a one-year commitment it's four years right you know you're going to be secondary vice president i didn't realize that when i got into it <laughs> <laughs> i thought i was volunteering for a very low level position i thought it might be become more comfortable and then i'd run for a higher one. i didn't realize i'm committing myself to four years yeah. uh it helps to have a guy like nolan robinson in there because he's just a few years older than me mm -hmm. so he's i consider him in my generation yep and it helps to have you know, a guy like uh, DeSantis in there who, you know, I think he's going to be president twice in a row. Mm -hmm. uh, I think Dr. Bryan called him the Grover Cleveland of the Dental Society. Well, remember now, why, why did he take it? Well, because the person who took the job mm -hmm. and at that point was now year four, couldn't fulfill the responsibility. So mm -hmm. he volunteered to stay on and do another mm -hmm. year. So that's, right. we're fortunate. Right, fortunate someone like that will take on that role because mm -hmm. it's a lot of time, it's a lot of energy spent, and there's a lot of time taken out of your practice. And 
it's hard. It's a sacrifice. Okay. So now in your second year, mm -hmm. right? Um, yes. You, the inevitable question eventually I'm going to talk about is how is it working with family? But I'm going to get to that in a second. So second year, um, let's go now to, so you're, you're sort of nearing the end of your second year. Let's go back to that question of when you treatment plan the dental school mm -hmm. and now when you treatment plan, Yes. What things would you say are hugely different, mm -hmm. and what things would you say are essentially or essentially the same? Um, you're definitely doing a little bit of bending with, uh, you know, the 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 standards uh, as opposed to like someone wants someone doesn't want a crown they want a fit, mm -hmm. and you look at it and you go that's definitely more than a third of the width between the buckle and the lingual cusp. But you look at all the other factors, you know, it's occluding against denture. Okay, so it's not going to have a lot of occlusal force against it. Mm -hmm. uh, they're 85. They, they're, they're not asking you to be a, million, a, a, a miracle worker. They're, you know, they're probably uh, fixed income. They probably want to save some money. And, and they're not going to look at you when it fails, if you explain properly, mm -hmm. <laughs> that it's not the ideal treatment scenario. And so there are those things and that exists in, in, in dental school uh, to a degree too. You will have professors tell you, look, in private practice, you might just want to try to do the filling and say, if it doesn't work, we'll take that cost off the front, no harm, no foul. Um, but ultimately, I think that dental school gives you the basis of like, this is what the book says, this is your standard prep, this is what it should look like in an ideal scenario. And then from there, you know, if you have to trace the cavity around into the, you know, the, the buckle pit, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't surprise you because you at least get the experience of like, yeah, cavities don't look at the textbook and say, I'm going to be here. <laughs> they, you know, they're, they're, they're wherever they happen to be. Mm -hmm. So there is that, you know, subgingival with, with amalgam comes to mind. Yeah. Um, trying to do a filling underneath the crown. Uh, luckily I've done maybe a handful, but you know, uh, there, there's, there's a, it has to be in my mind, a perfect scenario for that kind of thing. Cause I absolutely hate when something fails when I knew in my gut, I shouldn't have done it to begin with. So that's learned. Yeah. So I, I found for myself, one of the things that I, when I first started, I felt like I had to talk and explain everything. Oh yeah. And I learned that patients stopped listening after the first or second word they didn't understand. Mm -hmm. And I thought when it was all done, okay, got it. When I talked about seven different treatment options and now I find myself talking a little less and asking more and listening more. So how, how would you, how would you say, let's just talk about treatment plan presentation now. Mm -hmm. So not so much treatment plan formulation. Let's talk mm -hmm. about presentation. How did that, how has that changed for you at year two compared to dental school? Oh, um, huge. Uh, <clears throat> one, I can point to other patients that I've had and say, look, normally this is what happens. This is how it goes. This is how long it lasts. These are what you can expect from this procedure mm -hmm. in terms of delayed healing, in terms of comfort during the procedure, you know, all that sort of stuff that only experience gives you. Mm -hmm. um, or talking to a lot of people with experience. Uh, yeah, I, I'd say it's definitely more of a dialogue in private practice because 
in dental school, you know, it's A, B, C, D. Mm -hmm. That's the way it is. They don't like it. Nothing against them. There are plenty of dental, you know, places that will go A, C, D, D. Mm -hmm. not, not a big deal. Um, but for, for you, it's, it's, as they phrase it, it's a, it's a learning clinic. Mm -hmm. And so in order to learn the right way, they have to do certain things a certain way and have certain standards. And that's, you know, I, I completely understand and, and agree for the most part. That's the right way to do it. But there are, there, there's, there's, you know, there's a lot of different ways to get the patient to the point where they're happy, satisfied, and healthy. Mm -hmm. And part of it's finding out what they consider happy and satisfied that and requires a little more yes it requires asking questions and and some patients they they just want you to recommend something and then they'll do it mm -hmm. and to me it's i want them to at least make one decision mm -hmm. you know even if that decision is you know this tooth is broken down it's not savable do you want to take it up today or do you want it to when the when the infections calm down mm -hmm. it's going to take a few days for the antibiotics but you know, mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> giving people realistic expectations. Like, mm -hmm. What happens if I do nothing? Well, it's going to get worse. Or, well, you know, it's a mm -hmm. space. It'll get slowly worse over time. It's, mm -hmm. you know, as opposed to dental school where it's, no, 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 this is our standard. This is where the patient has to be. And, uh, you know, there's no skirting around it. So, yeah, a, a dialogue is huge. And I'm still, <laughs> I'm still learning that too. Mm -hmm. So now kind of year two, um, talk about now, are, are you looking, is there a buy-in? I mean, what's, what's, what's the career, what do you see career path wise? Just share some, with some people that you're in it now, second year. Mm -hmm. um, hopefully the advice, which was take good care of the patients, the money follows, has proven to be true. And you now have a little bit more of a comfort level that you know, if you're maybe not busy Monday afternoon, all of a sudden something might happen Tuesday mm -hmm. or something still might happen, et cetera. So talk a little bit about some of your future and, and what it holds for you. Uh, I remember writing my goals uh, about where I would be five years after dental school. Mm -hmm. And I guess I would say I'm on progress to be there. Uh, but of course my goals have changed mm -hmm. with realizing, you know, uh, where I could be essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely looking into buying into the practice and taking more of a, a leadership role within the practice and helping to make managerial decisions. But I also still understand I'm, I'm only been working for two years as a dentist. And I, I have a lot to learn. Um, but I'm glad that my input is valued in the practice and that, uh, you know, while I lack in experience, I, I make up for in, in care and concern. And uh, I think I think they trust me <laughs> at the office. I think they, you know, look to me and, and cause I mean, I have talked to some of the assistants. They said, they say they notice a big difference between me being there as an assistant versus me being there, you know, Monday mornings ripping up papers versus me being there now. So let me ask you a question. Um, and it goes to uh, the, um, so in terms of the dentistry part and stuff like that, did you feel 
because I, I know. Uh, let's talk. Let's talk a little bit, not necessarily father son. But let's talk about senior dentist, junior dentist. Let's call mm-hmm. it okay. Um, and I always I hear that from a lot of folks that the younger dentist feels the older dentist is not listening. The younger dentist feels the older dentist is not going to pay attention, or or like you would mm-hmm. always say, is dad going to act like he's coaching me in basketball? You know, um, like I have nothing to say, and I'm just going to do the drills that he tells me, so to speak. Um, Share some of the things that you think or that your perspective on that coming into this situation, having basically things are set a certain way, yet you have a fresh perspective, you have a fresh um, opinion on things. And I think you think very uniquely, I've known that because I've known you a little while, that that I think has been very, very valuable. And I, I don't want to lose it, I think. And I think that's come across from all the people that you've interacted and I've tried to encourage your participation mm-hmm. at a higher management level too. Mm-hmm. I just think you have a lot to offer. Going into it, how did you feel, mm-hmm. you know, that that came about? Um, and what advice would you give to others coming mm-hmm. in as far as we've always done it this way mm-hmm. and I want to do something different? Talk about that. Um. I think the biggest worry I had going into the practice was actually that I uh, would get respect that I had not earned yet because of the nature of being your son. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought that if, you know, uh, you know, Cheryl, who's been a hygienist longer than I've been alive, Mm -hmm. had one opinion and I had another fresh out of dental school that she would defer to me because of you mm-hmm. and see me as an extension of you and then you know behind me and she hasn't done this but <laughs> behind me you know spite me a little bit and kind of resent me for coming in having these new ideas who is this young whippersnapper who is this who's this guy who has no experience telling me how to do what i've been doing forever mm-hmm. uh so there's definitely i think one of the things just in general was uh uh i liked working not for you at the bakery because I was not treated as the boss's son. I was treated as just another employee. And I feel like the only way you know what you're worth is if you do something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there is, there is a, an amount of respect I think I get um, uh, unearned. And I, I think I have to go out of my way to really level with like Renee, like, hey, like, um, what, what do you honestly think of this? Like, I don't have a strong opinion what like tell me your thoughts like i'm not going to get mad there's not going to be any repercussions for disagreeing with mm-hmm. you know um because the, the, the dentists at the office I, I feel like have all been very supportive and listened to me and have helped me out and have uh, i don't i don't think i have that problem of uh, mm-hmm. having my own opinion i certainly don't have that problem um, but i um what would your advice be then to someone who goes into a situation where they have no seniority, where they where they, they, have, they have don't that. feel like they have that. Yeah, they mm-hmm. they they are fighting the good fight every day. Where uh, I want to inject this, mm-hmm. and the you know, and then there's the pushback. So, mm-hmm. what would your advice be for that? Well, um, you know, there there is a limited amount you can do. You know, I think I try to have some realistic expectations, and each situation is different, but. 
I don't know, give me an example. Like, what's uh, well, let's say uh, you walk in, listen, I want to use uh, Shofu composite, mm -hmm. and the practice is like, nope, we're using Boko, mm -hmm. you know, we're using fusion, you know, fusion composite in the mm -hmm. posterior, or we're using uh, you know, um, a Philatech in the anterior, you know, a, a microfill mm -hmm. or something like that. And it's just, just, just take a, just a general dental materials question, mm -hmm. uh, where I'm used to this. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I think you gotta at least give their products a shot. First of all, you certainly can't before using it, voice your opinion when you have no basis of comparison mm -hmm. so in that situation at least you're not doing anything you know unethical or substandard or anything like that mm -hmm. that you know you have to hold the line on um i think you you, you got to start using it and uh find out what you really think pros and cons are with it and maybe offer the dentist to to try it um say uh, like a hands-on CE course, or even if you buy a sample yourself and just say, hey, try this, I loved it. This is what I like to use. Um, and it might have to come down to a compromise. Uh, for, for me, it was with septicane. I love septicane. I, I use it, you know, if I miss a block too many times and I just want one single tooth to be, to be numb, even on the lower, you can inject lingually and buccally and they can usually get that, mm -hmm. that tooth numb enough to do whatever you need to, sometimes even extractions. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, it was, you know, I, I used the, the other numbing utilities, but I had one office purchase one box and I would carry that to each office I went to. And it was for me, <laughs> for me, by me. And I think, uh, Marcus is numbing. Yeah, this is fine. <laughs> it looks a lot like Carbocane. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's got the gold stripe as opposed to the tan one. And so you don't want to accidentally block with it. Yeah according to Dr. Thines and a few other doctors I've talked to. Mm -hmm. um, Biggest fear. And, uh, but I don't think I'll ever convert you to use that for everything. But um, no, it's got its, it's, got its but, uses, no question. But so. So, yeah, if, if someone's got a really bad infection, it has a higher PKA value than almost anything. Mm -hmm. I think carbocane has a higher one. And, uh, and I think you got to first... In that situation, you have to reach a compromise and possibly just look for the doctor to even accept you using something he doesn't personally agree with. Mm -hmm. Now, with 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 filling materials, I think it's going to be difficult because you may have mm -hmm. a whole new system, mm -hmm. and supplying that yourself might be a little bit. But you know, uh, the other thing is you got to pick and choose your battles. Mm -hmm. You know, if you let it known that you prefer this, but you chose his, I think it'll give you a little bit more uh, personal capital when you, I don't wanna say make a stink, but if you bring up another concern about another product, he'll know that you're not doing it just to, because you're unwilling to change yourself. Yeah, and, and, I mean, fortunately, I like to think since we're called progressive dental that we do stay on top of what's going on and, and current um, that, you might be in a practice that's become let's call it very stagnant and now you're fresh out and you have a lot of thoughts and ideas and as dentistry evolves sometimes people choose to not participate in the mm -hmm. evolution and i think that becomes a real challenge that young dentists and senior dentists have making it work uh, my mm -hmm. advice is communicate 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 you have to set time aside 
to have conversations with your doctors. Uh, I get it. Doctors, a lot of times, well, I'm going to bring this doctor in so I can have more free time. I can have this. It's going to free me up. Mm-hmm. And you forget about what the connection has to happen and the education of each other. You know, so it's true. Uh, I think that's a huge thing. Let's uh, let's go. Let's wrap this up for you. Now, working with family, I have two, two last questions for you. Okay. Um, working with family. I know a lot of people talk about it. I know husbands and wives work together. Um, mm-hmm. I know that there are some siblings that work together. Uh, father, son, father, daughter, mother, son, you know, the dentist, Dr. Esposito, who we just, we just had on the podcast. Mm-hmm. He was, his mother's a dentist and he was graduated and looking at, and she had said, well, why don't you come in and take my practice as I retire and 60, 63, 65, 70, she's in still practicing. So at a certain point, he said, okay, mom, I'm going to do my own thing. Mm-hmm. So um, how is working with family and any advice for anybody in that scenario? <laughs> uh, well, everybody's family is different, um, for sure. And even members of our own family are different. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, you could have a twin brother and they can be completely different, even though they have the same genes and the same environment they grew up in. Um, so my, my, my advice is only limited to that. Uh, I guess that the nature of our relationship evolved when I started working for you, mm-hmm. for sure. Because um, like you had mentioned, I didn't love when you coached me in basketball. And I know you probably were not happy about that, but I... For whatever reason, I didn't like the extra strain of being the coach's kid. And I also didn't want people saying, you only got what you have because you're the coach's kid. Mm-hmm. And people will probably always say that no matter Very what conscious. I do. Yep. So no matter what. Nothing I can do about that. Um, I guess it's been great for me. <laughs> I can't really complain too much. Um, because like I said earlier, it's nice to have a boss that you think cares about you. Not everybody has that. And I think that parents generally do what they think is best uh, for their kin. And, you know, if I worked for an aunt or an uncle or a grandparent or even a a really good family friend, I think the nature of the relationship does change, um, but it's gotta come from both sides. Um, You should probably just worry about your side and uh, I mean, I guess with family, you kind of do go the extra mile, you know, uh, you'll text me a voicemail of a patient that called you and asked me if I can take care of it. And of course I will. But would I do that if, you know, you were just some company asking me to do it? I don't know. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, when I come to you with an issue I have, I think, um, you know, uh, you really do take into account me because you know me better uh, than most people do and I think you care about what I have to say and even if your answer is no uh, it's uh, it's not as it's not as bad uh, Mm -hmm. as it could be I think like I said before the mentorship in dentistry I think is huge and helpful uh, especially to young new dentists Mm -hmm. so okay all right, final question. I've been trying to ask everybody this question. Okay. <laughs> you were able to go back in time to any time. Mm-hmm. When would it be and why? 
Now, I, I have a couple questions about this. Because oh, I've, I've run the experiment in my head a few times. <laughs> am I in like an, a DeLorean going 88 miles an hour? Or am I like, I have a crystal ball and I can kind of like in Harry Potter, enter it without actually interacting with it and just kind of observe it. Because no, if you're in a DeLorean going 88 miles an hour <laughs> and you go back to before penicillin was invented, yeah. you're carrying all these advanced bacteria that your immune system has adapted to. And so you got to be really careful who you interact with because oh you could God. accidentally kill everybody that you interact with. <laughs> just from a... You're ruining the whole I'm thing. Sorry, man. Like, <laughs> like so destroying If you it. could just take that out of it. Okay. <laughs> you personally, like, okay, you personally so the are, 70s are, are, are lifted and dropped in any era okay. or time frame. Mm -hmm. Where and why? Uh, I mean, I think you'd have to go to like the time of the resurrection. Yeah, because I think that your life would be significantly different if you didn't have to take a leap of faith that this is actually real. I think you, I mean, shucks, I don't know if I'd be a dentist or if I'd be like a monk or something, but uh, <laughs> that's one huge one. Uh, another one uh, that I'm honestly fascinated with is, uh, is just like the 1920s in America. There's a lot of interesting stuff going on. You got Al Capone, you got uh, uh, you've got, you know, Spanish flu, you've got the end of World War One. you know, the modern era is over, the aristocracy is over with. It'd be interesting to see what people were like at that time, dealing with all of those huge socio-political issues at the time. That being said, I don't know if I'd want to live in a place that didn't have air conditioning, so... So right, let's end it on that. <laughs> so if I, if I went weeks vacation in the 1920s in New right. York, that's so, what I'll do. Just remember earlier in the podcast when he had a point of saying, "Well, you know, it's not the greatest weather up here in upstate New York." Yeah. He needs air conditioning. Yeah, yeah, that's why okay. the South is so much better now. All right, so uh, let's wrap it up. Uh, thank you all very much. Thank you, Marcus, for for sharing all of your wisdom and help, and hopefully. Dentists will find it helpful. Uh, I'm going to put, uh, we'll put Marcus's contact information on the show notes and then we reaches out to him. Um, please feel free to. And uh, I thank everybody for listening. And hopefully, like I said, it was a helpful experience. See you later. Thank you all. Thanks for listening to the Fee for Service Dentist Podcast. If you would like to share your fee for service story, please fill out our contact form at ffsdentistry.com. Also, be sure to join our fee-for-service dentistry Facebook group. For help starting your dental membership plan, visit dentalmembershipdirect.com and membershipmastercourse.com. Finally, for help with in-house financing, visit dentalfinancingdirect.com. And don't forget, your story is what you make of it. This is your name on the door and your reputation on the line. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time.